boils and ghouls. Turn out the lights. And keep the popcorn coming. Because it's time for another episode of Fright Fights Podcast. Fright Fights, Fights Podcast. Get ready for your gore gang. Tyler Cavett, Chris Lax, and Mike McKinney tackling horror news, reviews, and fight for their survival. Coming to you from the Fright Fights Fear Lodge. Get ready to sink your fangs into a battle that will make your blood run cold. This is Fright Fights. Is Fright Fights. We want to welcome everybody back to another episode of the Fright Fights podcast. And just to let everyone know that the Chinese weather balloons have a line in the sky for everyone to be able to do two amazing interviews over the past couple of weeks. We had the director of Hell House LLC, Stephen Cognetti, and we conducted one of the biggest reunions of all time for the St. Francisville experiment. And it was so much fun. And it was just something that we really wanted to do and really wanted to reunite a lot of people together and I think it turned out really well. And I know that we all had a blast doing it. And No. So I will say that I think that we are in depth to them. They really were generous with their time. They were very insightful. I love the fact that they were able to share so many new pieces of information with us, because obviously a lot of that had to come out to even the cast members. So it was surprising to even see so much that they didn't know about. So the reunion was well needed and almost like looking back at St. Francisville Experiment is one of those horror films that almost needed a reunion more than any other horror film right now, just because so much was kept from them. So I'm glad they got to get together. Yeah, for sure. Um, I thought it was great just how, you know, that was the first time they all really, you know, re, you know, for the reunited. And um, it was awesome to see. And just have them talk about their experiences on film and off off of film. And uh, it was pretty hilarious how a lot of stuff they did not know that it was all part of the movie and it really happened. Like the uh, PJ guy, for example, had no freaking clue. And I, I joke around with Lax at work. I said, for 20 plus years, I've been telling people the wrong information. And that just got to me. That was hilarious. But uh it was awesome to put all that together, guys. I thought we did really well with that. And uh, then with Stephen Cognetti with a Hell House franchise, I, I'm looking forward to his other two films. Um, so I thought we did really well, gentlemen. It was it was hilarious when Stephen Cognetti uh, could not do an intro for us and kept messing up and just laughing and having a, a blast. It seemed like I cannot wait to be able to do something else with you all and, and get together some more interviews. Yeah, dare I, I say I there's more to come? There's more, more to, to come. come. <laughs> so, guys, we have been, well, we haven't been away. We've been very busy with the podcast because so many people have come to us with a lot of information and a lot of interviews. So we haven't really recorded a good, like, you know, a show together. We haven't been able to get together. 
So the fact that it's been almost a month, there's a lot of ground to cover. <laughs> what did you guys see? Um, I have I I, I posted on our website. Um, I I saw her on our Facebook. Um, watched the film June 9th. Um, it's a found footage. So I kind of been on a found footage kick since we've been kind of really focusing on that. Um, I just want to say first off, that's a stupid title. <laughs> Relax. Nobody really asked you, so shut up. Okay. So, anyways, <laughs> no. Uh, so June June nine. I know. Yeah, it's really weird. It's like not June 9th, but June nine. But yeah. um, wait. So is it June ninth in the movie? No, just June nine. It, that's all it like you know um they have a little like poster or something and like yeah it says june 9th it's not june 9th at all so uh really odd but uh back to the movie so it's a found footage um film and it's about a bunch of high schoolers and it's very relatable like it's a very low budget film but you're the acting is above average and there are 16, 17 year old high school guys and a, a few girls, and they're they're carrying a camcorder around, riding in a buddy's old beat up van, and just playing pranks on like like the neighbors and their friends in the, in the town. So they go, they explore a little way from their town uh, to Boston Mills. Um, it's Helltown, uh, so it was based out of Ohio. And then they start like playing pranks on these individuals that are living in the town of Boston Mills. And it's actually supposed to be based on true events. I was reading it. It's not exactly to a T how the movie played out, but it was called the, it was called the Boston, the Boston Mills five. So supposedly something happened to these five individuals that went to hell town. Um, and like I said, I haven't really gotten too far into that reading it because uh, everything we've been doing with interviews and all that. But it was it was a fun film to watch. But back to the film. So they go to Boston Mills and they're, they're like terrorizing, playing pranks on, you know, town members of Helltown. And they they get a little in too far. Uh, the one guy uh, in the film, I think his name's uh, I think his act, the actor is Ron. Or John Ray, he plays the character Robert, Robert, just Robert, I guess. So anyways, he's like the punk, you know, he's the cool guy, you know, the macho dude. But so he runs into this um, house that's located out in like the middle of the woods somewhere where supposedly all these cult individuals are living. And um, they play a prank on, or they're like, hey, run in the house, steal a pillow and bring it back to the van so we have a piece of this this area that you know like they're so obsessed about got it going to do it well they run there and then they the, the guy gets caught so things start happening and like i said if you guys are going to plan on watching this i'm not going to go too far into it um just kind of a quick summary of it just a bunch of high schoolers running around with a film playing pranks get caught way too far in debt with their prank playing and they get, they, I mean, it's not good as an ending for these individuals. Sounds um, like I thought it was back in high school. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
but I will I will tell you this. It takes a while for anything to happen. I think the runtime is I think an hour and twenty minutes. And it takes a good 40 minutes for anything kind of creepy to happen. But it's fun, though. It's not like a boring watch. It's fun because, you know, it's it's, it's a little bit of comedy, which that I'm a sucker for comedy and horror mix. So um, it's definitely a fun watch. But then again, you have to be patient on the, uh, on the fear side because it does take a while. But once it happens, it's, it's kind of, it's relatable. You know, how many times have you done something in high school and it's like bitching your ass and you're like, oh, shit, I shouldn't have done that. It's kind of like one of those films, but really good. Um, out of 10, I ended up giving it a six. It could have been a lot better, like maybe a little bit faster pace. But once again, I did not mind it. Um, I really enjoyed the film. Uh, so if anybody needs to, you know, looking for a movie to just kind of kill an hour and a half, um, June 9. Weird, weird title, but June 9. Really good movie. Yeah, it's always interesting to see movies that are kind of the slower pace, but hold your attention throughout, even though that's something that's real slow, you're intrigued by the story or the characters, and it makes it much more of a better film and a much better of a payoff than just being extremely boring, and then all of a sudden something happens. So it's got my attention. I'll, I'm definitely going to check it out. Check it out. I mean, it sounds like it falls kind of into that found footage kind of, oh, it's based on a true story, Hilton, Ohio, which I know there's a lot of creepy shit that happens up there. So I am, I'm intrigued just because Helltown. Um, I'm not necessarily sold on the found footage. Um, That's not too far from us, is it? Not really. It's probably what, maybe, maybe two hours ish. I was gonna say, yeah, it's not very far. Yeah, it's definitely like a half day trip. You you just drive up there early evening, and there you are in the middle of the night. There's a lot of weird stuff that happens up that way. Um, I've never been. <laughs> I would like to go, but there has apparently been like maybe three or four different deaths. Um, I don't know if it's just trying to like allude to one of those or or what, but I mean, it's probably more of like an inspired by true events. It's probably like not true at all. But again, I think. A fright what? fight on location. Exactly. Yeah, we could just film an entire episode there on June. You know, June nine. <laughs> we have to wait till June June ninth to go there. No, not June ninth. Just June, June, June nine. June <laughs> It'll never come. It'll just. It'll never come. But it will. Well, talk about a movie that really has been so polarizing in the horror industry. Um, Skidamarink. And let me tell you, Skidamarink has been blown. I just want to sing the song. Yeah, come on, Chris, give it to us. Come on. <laughs> no, I will. Uh, I will pass on that. But uh, well, it I'll, does I'll make me sing it now. every time. Here we go. One, two. I'm kidding. I won't, I won't do that. No. So, so Skidamarink, and sure. that's the really interesting thing too, because you gave me an idea, really, and I'll, I'll bring that up in just a minute because it kind of coincides with what I was going to talk about with the film, but. Um, one reason I really want to talk about this film is because it takes a lot to make a horror film this polarizing. And by that, I mean that one side really, really has loved the hell out of this movie. Meanwhile, the other half hates it. I can understand completely why. Um, Before I even get into the plot, there are, again, two different versions of this film. And people listening to this might be, huh, you know, what do you mean? Two different versions. So I initially saw this in theaters 
on the very limited run in our area that it had. Um, this was back in January um, when it kind of went limited. And the film itself had this kind of weird kind of tone to it, I guess. I can't really necessarily even like spoil the plot. I know Chris is really wanting me to kind of keep the plot under wraps because he wants to see it himself. I've not even watched a trailer or clip or anything from, and I know absolutely nothing about it. Make me feel like a dick now. I'm going to spoil the whole thing. <laughs> Chris, here's the thing though. I know it's like, I, I understand, I, I'm completely like that too with like horror films, but there's something about Skin and Marine that I feel like you just really can't spoil really. This is more so based off of an experience that you have at like a theater or like your house or wherever you're watching this. It is completely subjective to that. It doesn't necessarily have any plot that you're going to be missing out on. I personally cannot tell you the plot to Skinner Marine. There is not a strong plot. It's an experimental horror film. So this is, um, what's his name? I think David Edward Ball. No, Kyle Edward Ball. Sorry. Um, the director of this, and he's only made short films, and you can actually watch his short film if you like Skinamarink on YouTube. And this short film has a very similar tone to it, but essentially, the film, like I said, had two different versions, and the one I prefer most is definitely the one that I watched in theaters because whenever I watched it again on Shutter, which I didn't watch the whole thing, I just kind of skimmed through it, but they added this kind of like weird. Um, backing track to it that kind of made it sound almost like a silent film age style horror film and I really didn't like that and they also kind of like added like additional like mutterings of like dialogue throughout that kind of explained things a little too much <clears throat> so essentially the plot of this is a kid walking around his house in the middle of the night and that's pretty much it. You don't really see the kid. You know it is a kid because he watches like there's shots of like cartoons and stuff. There's not one line of dialogue that's fully like explained. You hear some like muttering. Um, it is like an hour and 40 minutes of going around in the dark. So one shot will be a shot of like a door. The next shot will be like a shot of the couch. And then you'll see the kid playing with blocks and then the shot will change again to the TV and the TV, interestingly enough, tells a lot about the plot itself because the style of film, like the style of like cartoons he's watching is really kind of like, I guess you would say it, it kind of like, so the plot itself is like foreshadowing. Much, no, not really. The thing is, is I can't really even explain it, but like, the best way to put it, and this is this is what a lot of people have said about it. The best way to put this is it's like walking around your house after like a fever dream at three o'clock in the morning with no one up as a kid. Hmm. And I think that's where the title Skin and Marine comes from, because it's obviously like a you know, a children's kind of like nursery rhyme, like a children's song. And essentially it just takes you back. If you can watch this film by yourself in a dark room and understand like it's not necessarily for like adults but watch it through the eyes of a child like watch it as if you were a child i think yeah, it'd be a okay. lot more effective so the way you describe this it not only does it intrigue me on wanting to see it but it also at the same time pushes me away from wanting to see it like see it. a movie with no dialogue 
really wants me to just be like, I, I don't think I could sit there and not listen to anything for an hour. Uh, but at the same time, I really want to see a movie that just focuses on on the audio or, or, or the visuals on what I'm seeing. I'm going to be looking around corners. What, what am I going to find? Is there some type of, you know, audio that I'm supposed to listen to like sounds or voices. And if that's something like that, like the atmosphere is something that could play really well. I'm down for that. But if it's just somebody walking around and nothing happens, I don't know if I'm really going to enjoy that or not. That's the problem. That's what a lot of people love about the film. And that's what a lot of people hate about the film. And Chris, I think you will find that it is very atmospheric. Um, it's dark the whole entire time. There's only like a couple scenes of the lights on maybe two or three. It's about what's in the dark. It's the looming. It doesn't necessarily like jump scare you. There's no like jump scares or anything like that. Spoiler alert. But it's kind of alluding to what's in the dark. Um, the I, parent, I might like it. Well, the parents are not even like around, but he kind of like alludes to his parents. Like he kind of like you could see like him like walking around, like you hear him like kind of crying. And there's like this like apparition at one point. That's not really an apparition, but like a voice. You could tell it's like definitely not human. Um, asking him about like you know are you scared and he's like no and that's like that's literally about as deep as this dialogue gets so overall I mean I was talking to somebody um, afterwards uh, I, you know, they were in the theater with me and I knew them and we were sitting here watching this film I didn't know how to feel about it and we leave and he was telling me that it was probably one of the scariest films he's ever watched. And he was absolutely terrified of it. And to me, I was on the fence. I said, you know, I could see a lot of good things going for this film. I could see a lot of bad things going for it. There was two people get up out of the theater and leave. One person yeah. shouted behind me, like making fun of it. It's not for everyone. It's as experimental think on the lines of a David Lynch um, eraser head or something, but it's not that plot, obviously, but it's kind of like, the strange atmospheric tonal style of film and it's beautifully done the atmosphere is great plot is not going to be there so if you're looking for a story driven horror not going to come but it is fun and i was like i mean honestly there was two or three scenes that i was like holy shit you know this is this is deep this is some crazy stuff um but yeah, it's not for everyone, and not everyone's going to like it. And I think that if you look up the reviews, you can definitely see that. Some people give it one star. Some people's going to have five stars. So it's, I mean, it reminds me of the kids that always like rate A24 films. <laughs> and they're like, they're like, Midsummer is like a five-star movie. And people's like, Midsummer sucks. And it's kind of like that. It's like going back and forth, like fighting. Oh, was Midsummer a masterpiece? Is Hereditary a masterpiece? We love Robert Eggers kind of thing. And so it does encourage that kind of like banter back and forth between horror lovers because it's not going to be one of those films you can sit there and say, you know, this is a masterpiece and without somebody looking at you and saying it's the worst film they've ever seen in their entire life. And that's what makes Skin and Marink worth seeing, Chris, is to sit down and know that you have that experience of either A, it's going to click and you're going to get it, or B, you're going to absolutely hate it. And it's kind of, it kind of like is makes it more fun because you could talk with people afterwards about what worked and what didn't work. And I'll just be honest, not much is going on for it. And that's 
really tough for me to put a score on it because part of me wants to give it, you know, three or four. Part of me wants to give it a nine or ten because it's it's just that split. And I, I I'm gonna have to go right in the middle. So I'll probably, you know, I'll probably give it a seven. I'm gonna give it a seven. I think it's a fair score. I'm one of those people. Good score. Yeah, it's it's. I really want to hear what you guys have to say, but it's a lot. Keep in mind, guys, it's on Shutter. Um, if you're listening, I know a lot of people is trying to have access to see it, so definitely download Shutter and watch it. But again, it's not the same cut of the movie. This is completely. It's not the same. So keep in mind as you watch this in the end. Whenever the credits, when the credits don't roll because the credits are at the beginning, it's kind of funny. But um, once the film ends and you guys are reflecting on it, remember that in the theater, the film itself wasn't explained as much. There was even less dialogue and less talking in the theater, down to probably under a hundred words, maybe even fifty. So yeah, that is Skidamarink. Um, Y'all go out and watch it. I don't know. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah, it's definitely on my list. De- yeah, definitely on my list. I'm curious to see last. where it goes next from this. Because if the thing is, is like the guys made this. So he made a short film and he's made this film. And both of them have the same exact style. So who knows you know, where he's going to go next. And I don't know what type of filmmaker he's going to be after this. But I will be there to check it out because, I mean, after this one, he's got me intrigued. Yeah, I think he'll make a sequel. It's going to be called Red Rover. (laughs) You're going to lose your shit if that comes out. Like, that's going to be the. Oh, my God. No, I. There's a Red (laughs) Rover. He has like the. uh... Go ahead. Sorry, Chris. I was just going to mess with you. Uh, I was going to say, I, I watched. Um, a film that just recently came out. It's a documentary. It's In Search of Darkness Part 3. And um, Part 1 and Part 2 came out within the past couple years. It's on Shutter. I don't know if you guys have checked those out or not. Basically, the movies or the documentaries is kind of like an encyclopedia of 80s horror films. It, it basically lists a lot of different horror films uh, going by year after year. So it starts with 1980 and lists a bunch of films from 1980 shows clips from it trailers from it the best scenes from it and then interviews with either celebrities talking about the movie or cast and crew members talking about the movie and they it's like a five-hour documentary um so there's three parts to it part one part two and now in search of darkness part three and with this one um this is actually my favorite of the three uh documentaries not only does this one explore still an extension of 80s horror films but it dives deep into the lesser known movies. So instead of going from like part one, where they're talking about Friday the 13th, Halloween's nightmare on Elm streets, all those movies that, you know, came out throughout the, the 1980s, these are diving down into the more obscure films. We get films like blood rage, creepazoids, uh, stuff like that. So it was very interesting. And even though that they're movies that I've, I've seen, there was a lot of them I've not seen before. So they do dive into things that I'm not even familiar with, like Manhunter, uh, which was the prequel to um, Silence of the Lambs or the you know the film that came out before Silence of the Lambs. Uh, so things of that nature is made it into this documentary. And um, it's one of those things you can put on and just watch in the background. Like it would be a good party type film where if there's a party going on, you could put on In Search of Darkness to play for five hours. And, you know, some people just look up and see clips from it, enjoy it. 
Um, it can let people know about movies they've never seen before or heard about before. Uh, just very, very cool little documentary to watch. And I don't know if you can really like rate a documentary because it's just a bunch of random clips from other movies and just people talking. So there's no rating I can give for it, but I do recommend it. And um, I know the part three is on Shutter, but I'm not sure if part one or two is available to stream anywhere. But if you're interested in part three, the lesser known horror films available for it, um, I would recommend checking it out on Shutter. Dude, I love that so much. And yeah. The- fact that they were able to get more obscure films this time is awesome i have this book called nightmare usa i don't know if you guys are familiar with it but it's like a brick the thing is like 15 pounds and it's three or four hundred pages long it's hardback it's beautiful and if you it's by stephen thrower which is a horror scholar the guy i mean he wrote an entire book on fulci too and i love i love me some fulci you guys know and I have that book, but before that, he brings Nightmare USA out. And I literally, looking through that, there's some movies that I've hardly ever even heard of. Maybe like in passing, somebody mentions it. And I just love, you know, documentaries or books or anything that like highlights films that's never been seen before or like really like super 80s, 90s kind of exploitation, kind of exploitation, whatever you want to say. Um, I just love those types of documentaries because it, it kind of like wreck. It's like it's like hanging out with friends, and whenever you like hear them talk about it, it's just like I need to see that movie. It's like getting a recommendation from like your video store clerk or something. You know what I mean? So I just I, I kind of like that. It has a very weird nostalgia to it. Cool. Yeah, and the the thing I like about this version is it doesn't take one approach and be like, here's a listing of all the slasher movies, here's a listing of all the zombies. It throws them all completely out of place, so you it, it goes year by year. So it starts with 1980 and talks about random horror films from 1980, then goes to 1981. So when you're looking at it, it could go straight from like, let's say, Hell of a Living Dead to like Creepazoids to Critters to uh a friday the 13th knockoff or something so it's it's really all over the place with the way that it's shown so you're not uh you don't get bored with it you're always looking to see what's going to be next you know what film they're going to talk about next i really want to see it so i recommend it highly especially if it's something that you if you like finding new movies uh i definitely recommend it well i i do want to mention something as well because it would be being fright fights and having so many probably like gamers like horror games out there i know i know me and chris are big gamers do you play games mike horror games uh not as much no i don't no well there's um i mean you probably heard of the last of us on hbo has anybody seen oh yeah that yet you watched it, Mike? I've not watched I've not it. Seen it? No. Well, I just want to say that it's doing some really interesting stuff because, as as horror gamers, um, and story, it's very story driven game, but it's obviously just about it's like a zombie apocalypse essentially, and it, it could really honestly, I mean, look at COVID. They could honestly kind of happen in a way, you know. So it's interesting because they were able to take a lot of the aspects directly from the game and put it into the the show. Um. There's a lot of people doing like side by side shots to where like you could see you could see it from like the game to the to the show itself. So yeah, it's really- I was gonna say I I saw a clip from it that showed a side by side comparison of the two versions, and it was like identical. It was I I mean unbelievable how accurate it was from game to film. 
Yeah, it's crazy. And a lot of people was like, well, I don't like that because I want, you know, if I'm watching a film version of it, I don't want to see that because, you know, the, the game was one thing, the film's another interpretation. But there's a lot of people out there who love that. And I think that's the vast majority as well. But let me tell you, just I, I just want to give a plug to um, episode three because the show's the show season one's not over yet. And we're still in the midst of it. But um, episode three really, really did some interesting stuff. And again, it's kind of not really a show. Now I'm thinking about it that sticks directly to like a side by side comparison because episode three goes off onto its own plot, but then it goes right back into like where the game was. So there is a lot to love about it outside the game and inside the game. And I would definitely recommend it 100%. It's it's crazy. It's re- it is really really good, but it's it's one of those. Keep in mind, it's kind of zombie like. So if you're not really feeling a zombie cool. kind of film. Or not film, but show. I don't know why I keep saying film. But if you're not really feeling a, a zombie show, you know, it might not be for you because it does have a lot of the zombie kind of like banter kind of like, yeah, I don't know. It, basically, half the time they're running away from zombie, half the time you're getting this like really heartfelt horror story. So it's really hard to kind of like say, hey, if you if you hate zombie stuff, don't watch this because there is a lot more to it <laughs> than just that. You know what I mean? But um, <laughs> people's been loving it, and it's like the viewership's going up, the ratings are high, um, the game's good. If you guys play the game, it's so good. So um, I would recommend it. I mean, I can't put a rating on it yet because I haven't seen the entire season, and you know anything could happen now. I mean, look at look at Hannibal season three. That thing started like fantastic, and by the end of it, I was like, "Hello, what is this?" <laughs> so, um, I miss Hannibal so much. I love Hannibal. I love that so much. Yeah. I really, I, I hate that it got canceled. But, you know, overall, this is definitely not going anywhere anytime soon. This was the Walking Dead that HBO wanted to say yes to when they said no and put it on A&E or AMC or whatever. And then now they get um, now they get their own little Walking Dead show. So It's That's Netflix, what... right? No, it's um, HBO. No? Oh, HBO. Oh, yeah, yeah, and I sorry. was just making fun of it because... Um, the Walking Dead. Remember, The Walking Dead initially came to HBO, right? Am I wrong? And they like said no to them, and they put it on AMC because everybody was saying no. So I'm like, this is HBO's retaliation. This is their way to be able to put The Walking Dead out. But you know, instead of a comic book, it's a video game. But um, I forgot the actor, the main guy, but th- he is fantastic. I mean, he does a really, really good job. So um, definitely check it out. You don't have to play the game to understand the the show. It definitely explains everything for you. And I'm looking forward to like finishing it. You know, we're about third of the way through now. So we'll see. Yeah, that's that's nice. another thing I need to add to my list. There's a lot of stuff coming out. The viewers are going to be um, upset that we don't review um, Knock at the Cabin, which none of us have seen yet because we've been so busy. Not a scene. <laughs> infinity pool which didn't even come around here like how do you even see that right. i'm kicking myself I'm not buying sundance now tickets so i can watch that and yeah i mean i did rewatch pearl um i've been on you guys to watch x and pearl but none of y'all done it so we have to wait I'm, for that one you would i'm telling not. you i'm telling i just i'm just gonna say it you guys i know you guys would love that you guys would love it I got um, that on my list for sure. It has this like 80s, um, <laughs> it's very like 80s slasher. And Mia Goth, like people think she is sexy, but like she's a good actress past being like hot. She's not just like hot and you know what I mean. 
So, I mean, she's killing it. She plays, and, and X, when you guys go to watch X, Mia Goth's character plays the old woman in X, plus she plays the younger girl. So she'll play two characters, and when you're watching it, you're like, okay, why did Ty West decide to make these characters, you know, played by Mia Goth the exact same? Well, that kind of gets answered in Pearl, and um, it's obvious Mia Goth comes back. But she's younger because it's a prequel. So how it goes is X is the first movie and then Pearl came out in secret and then Pearl um, is actually the prequel, but it came out as a sequel. And then there's another movie coming out that's not out yet now called Maxine. And that one was made in secret. And I don't know how familiar you guys are with the film like promotion, but I want to say that X comes out and people think that's it. Like it's just it's just a one-off Ty West horror movie similar to like, you know, The Sacrament and his other films. So it comes out and next thing you know, they get up like at the premiere and they're like, guys, we have an entire X prequel that we shot in secret. Didn't tell anybody about it. That was approved through A24. And it's literally coming out in like three months. And it's done. Hmm. And people I like, love what? that stuff. Yeah, I love it so much. Love it. It and... needs to happen more often. Like, could you imagine that if there was like a big studio, like a like, imagine whenever Halloween, the the David Gordon Green 2018 came out. If they made it, and then all of a sudden, I know that like COVID and everything hurt, but um, imagine like the movie gets released, and then like three months later, there's another Halloween film. I know that'd be so. Yeah, Adam Green, where the hell have you been? That's all I'm gonna say. Dude. <laughs> we need Adam, exactly. Adam Green, is the king of that. Um, yeah. but you know, one thing I want to say though is Ty West didn't just do it once, he did it twice, and I think that's really interesting because X comes out, he surprises everybody and says, We filmed Pearl in secret, and then at the Pearl premiere, he said, Guys, we have a third surprise, we have a sequel to X, which is the third movie that we also filmed in secret and now it's coming out. So he oh. literally made, he makes X and he gets all this promotion. Then he brings out Pearl, which literally was a complete secret. And then he brings out Maxine, which is another complete secret. It's not out yet, but I can't wait to see it. And Pearl and X are two different movies, polarly, like different styles of horror. Pearl is not necessarily a slasher, but it's very psychological. So I, I love them both different reasons and i think maxine's going to be very 80s very fun and i'm looking forward to it too i mean it's it's going to be a killer trilogy i mean we say trilogy but we're going to when there's a fourth movie and fifth movie that secretly shot too so we say it's a trilogy now but um yeah that's the only plug i'll give for it um i don't want to give away anything because this unlike skidamarink which i feel like is a movie that you can kind of like let people know what that is without giving anything away I really think that it's good to go into X and Pearl Blind because of how like different the two films are and how interesting like the the filming aspect was whenever it comes to the making because it really captures different like subgenres of horror. And that's all I'll say. Hmm. You guys hmm. see anything else? Yes, a movie called Evil Things. I watched it Actually, at work one on lunch one day, um, we were dead, and it was only like, well, I say only. It was, a, I mean, it was a decent film. It was an hour and twenty six minutes. Um, 
So another found footage, you know, we've been on that kick. Um, it was one of these movies that was frightening in the aspect of it could happen to you. So it's a based on five college students left New York City for a weekend in the country to celebrate one of the fr- one of their friends' birthdays, like a birthday weekend, um, out of a cabin. So it takes place like in early January, I think. So it's all snow covered. Um, so they're riding out to this ca- this cabin, and then like <clears throat> they're ne- they notice behind behind on this really like country road that this van's kind of like creeping up on them, following them, bypasses them, slows down, just playing, just playing, just playing with them. And the one kid in the back is, he has the the camcorder. He's like, ah, what the fuck's wrong with this guy? Why is he following us? What the fuck? And it, the film almost puts, makes you, it, it makes you feel like you're sitting in the car and you're like, man, this could really happen. Like nowadays, like this, this could legitimately happen. This is terrifying, just on the aspect of being followed. So then they 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 pull off to a diner before they hit the cabin. They sit, they you know, they all get out, they go in to eat, and the van bypasses them. They think like, oh, this guy's gone, just a, a backwoods creepy fuck, you know, whatever. Well, as they're about to finish up their dinner, the van pulls up in front of the window and parks and like stares at them. And the one kind of like the macho dude of the five gets out. He's like, fuck this. I'm going to confront him. He runs out there, hits the windshield, and the van drives off. And they're like, all right, it, it's over. Let's go to the cabin. Let's have a great weekend. Let's celebrate our, our birthday, or, you know, this, this, our friend's birthday. They get to the cabin, and, you know, nothing really happens. They're all joking. But then the next morning, little things are like missing, you know, little out, out of the ordinary. And they're like, you know, they don't think too much of it. Like did this guy, like they, they don't think of the dude in the van or the, the individuals in the van. They have no clues in the van because they didn't see anybody in the van because like the windows were all tinted. Well, they go out on a hiking trip. Like, you know, they're like, you know, just exploring the woods, you know, just being college students. They're drinking, having fun they kind of get lost. And when they're in the middle of the woods, it's like, it's getting dark. So it's like eight or nine in the evening. So January, it's still like, it gets dark quickly. So when they're out there in the woods, they have walkie talkies and they're like, you know, see if you can like, you know, hear like, see if anybody has a walkie talkie really close by. And they're like, there's nobody fucking out here for miles. Well, the girl just walkie talkies, but you know, when you have a walkie talkie and there's somebody close by, you can hear like um, static from another walkie talkie. Well, they only had one out there, and they heard it. It sounded like maybe 20 yards away, and they're like, who the fuck's that? And they were like, hello, and they heard the echo, like, hello. And then they heard, like, tree limbs falling. They're like, oh, fuck, let's run. You know, they're they're trying to find their, their cabin because they've never been there before. Then they end up finding it, and they're like, oh, crazy shit happened. You know, like, they're, they're settling back down, getting back in continue to drink, ready for a a birthday celebration party, phone rings. Nobody answers, like, they answer the phone, nobody speaks. This happens three or four times, and and they're like, man, this is really weird. Well, the door, somebody knocks on the door, and they're like, who the fuck's that? There's nobody here for, like, miles, especially in the weather condition. And they go answer the front door, nobody's there, and then they see this package on the front step. 
and now like the it's a VHS, so they're like, "What the fuck's this?" It's the ring. And the one guy's like, "Well, well, he's like, <laughs> it's like, what is this? What is this?" They're like, "Well, let's play it." So it's the dude in the van recording their every move, and they're like, "What the fuck?" He's rec- he sneaks in the house, records them sleeping, I records them out in the woods, so records weird. them out in the woods, records them at the diner records them like pulling over to the gas station and it i mean like me talking about it right now kind of gives me creepy vibes because like gives me goosebumps just for the simple fact of like this shit can happen and like it's not one of these horror films that's going to be a lot of blood because you never see you never see the attacker the 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 individual in the van or individuals i think it's multiple people because they get scared after watching the video and then like they hear uh, the van pull up the driveway. They're like, what the fuck? So they break in and I think there's multiple ones because there's somebody out in the van and then there's somebody in the house too. And I'll leave it there because if I go any further into this, it's just going to tell you the whole movie, but don't expect like blood and gore because it doesn't happen. Don't expect to ever see the killer or killers because you don't see them. But it leaves the mystery of like, what the fuck happened to these people? Because at the end, like what happened? There's no trace until like this video. This video you're watching is the video from one of the college students shooting everything. And dude, it didn't get like high reviews. Like on IMDb, it got like a four out of ten. Because a lot of people are like expecting more in the, at the end or expecting more blood or expecting more gore, wanted more kills. But it was like the creepy aspect side to this movie that was really bothering. And dude, I gave this a six out of 10 because yes, it could have been better, low budget, but another low budget film with the actors being really damn good. So it's a must watch. I really think, I really think you both would enjoy this. It's called Evil Things. It's on Tubi. It's free. So check it out. An hour and 20 minutes. Evil Things. Yeah, I remember you telling me that, about this, Mike. And uh, I looked into it and I watched the trailer for it. And it, it, uh, it, it's one of those movies where it's really, it looks really dark. Like the entire movie looks really dark. But it seems to have a lot of atmosphere going behind it, too. So, like, you're, it's, you know, it's found footage. So obviously you're trying to figure out what's happening. Um, but it looked really interesting, and I'm definitely going to check it out. It's it's definitely worth the watch. Um, you know, there's there's nothing like you know gruesome. There's no sexual acts to like you know. There, there's nothing like that you can't really even watch this with your family. But like, it's creepy though because how many times do you think like somebody's following you? I mean, I'm just saying for how. Things like this can happen to individuals or, or especially a family, especially when like in a rural area that you don't know of. And like, you know, a car that sees a license plate that's not from around their area. They're like, well, what's these out of state people doing here? And there's a lot of like backwood, creepy, you know, um, shouldn't use this term, but I'm going to like hillbillies that just don't give a shit. You know, they live on their own rules. And this is kind of the the feel you get this no it's not like wrong turn it's not like cannibalism or anything like that it's just a a a a follower um a creeper that um 
I mean, obviously at the end of the movie, you, you'll know what happens, but um, I, God, I can't really say too much more because I'll give, I'll give a lot away, but man, it's really good. Both of you all watch it. Everybody fan wise, watch this. <laughs> Definitely good. Love it. <laughs> <clears throat> well, if it if it gives any kind of thing away to our listeners from the last two weeks, um, even to this moment right now today, it is that we are on a clear found footage kick here at Fright Fight. Yeah. <laughs> and in true spirits, we've decided to go ahead and you're already near the title of the video or the, the um audio that you're listening to. We are doing found footage movies. So what we're gonna do take a brief break here um we'll come back and we are going to be battling those so that'll be interesting all right welcome back everyone and we are about ready to do our battle for found footage films i was about to say fright fights films like we've produced a fright fights film maybe one day guys but um <laughs> we have three films here to talk about and we're it would be a found about. footage movie yeah, exactly. It, it is would, actually it a found footage movie. It actually it we're recording it right footage. now in the middle of this episode, and it's called Host. <laughs> <laughs> Kick us off, Mike. All right, all right, all right. Um, so we did obviously a found footage. Um, you know, we got to pay Matthew McConaughey a fee every single time you say that. I was thinking all right, the same all right, thing. All right. Um, <laughs> we just lost twenty bucks. Like, come on. Hey, we got forty five thousand coming in a week. So what? What? What's the matter? No. <laughs> it's my favorite but, thing that Mike says. Whenever he 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 does this, it's uh, almost like naturally, like unconsciously, it, says "all right, all right, all right." It's I like do that on everything, right? Like you know, right before I walk into work, all right, all right, all right. <laughs> it's like you're like Matthew McConaughey's like cousin or something. <laughs> I'm the hillbilly cousin, cousin, you know. So, <laughs> no, um, yeah. he's like, I, I, I. No, he goes, yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right, <laughs> that's it. We're done. Do you like what I did there? You like what I did there, <laughs> gentlemen? I don't know how to say this, but all right, uh, all right. What did you watch, Mike? <laughs> I watched host. Um, host? It, it, host. Like host? not hose, host. Um, host, H-O-S-T, host. Gotcha. Um, it's a Shudder original. And it's a very short film. I think it's 55, 57 minutes long, something like that. Uh, and it does not take long for this movie to happen. But basically what happens, it's six friends. I think it's in the middle of like the a pandemic, you know, maybe COVID or there, there's something where they're quarantined. But it's six friends. They hire a medium to hold a seance in a like a Zoom meeting. And um, as I say, it does not take long for creepy things to happen. Um, I think the... Doesn't the the um, the medium this uh, at the beginning of the seance? Doesn't she like have to go answer the front door and like she never returns? And then like things start happening in the background, like noises, and it's it's like a normal Zoom meeting. You can see you can see like you know everybody's faces, everybody's talking, kind of like you know talk. Lax, what are you about to say? I see you laughing over. 
<laughs> it's been what? like three weeks since we've seen these movies. Yeah. So if Mike if Mike has a fucking stroke in the middle of this explanation, you know why. <laughs> hey, I, no shit. Hey, guys, we had interviews to record. <laughs> we had interviews to record. Mike, go kill no, your fucking Chris, come on. <laughs> yeah. Where the but, hell? Um, <laughs> as much as I can remember, it. 20 minutes in, people start, like, fucking dying, disappearing. Actually, Mike, and, it was 14 minutes in. Get it right? So, sorry, 14 minutes in, people start vanishing, dying. Um, things are getting, like, thrown. Doors and cabinets are opening. Um, but I will tell I do remember this part. One of the creepiest parts. It almost, like, there's this, the one chick gets, like, scooted back in a chair in her kitchen. And... It just all of a sudden you're like, what the fuck? Like, what happened? Um, and they use the. This is one of the most frightening, I think, images in a in a paranormal uh, movie. You know, the powder. The girl was throwing powder in the air, and the ghost. You could see like the footprints. I'm like, oh shit, there it is. That gets me every time. That's scary as fuck. Um. So just a lot happens. It, I mean, obviously everybody fucking dies, you know. <laughs> so like, yeah, everybody in the Zoom meeting dies. Um, I'm trying to th- think back because it's been almost a month since I've seen this, dude. I just want to say that I freaking loved this movie much more than I think I should have. That's all I want to say because you know it's it's like one of those like, weird things where a film that could be under an hour long can really, really bring you in and make you feel like absolutely terrified in the best ways over and over and over and over. It just never ends. Like I feel like the scares really just kept coming every two or three minutes. And like you were saying, Mike, 14 minutes in. What? No, actually, you said 20 minutes in, then I said yeah. it's, it was 14. Because I, I, the only reason I remember that, though, is because I think I was texting. I thought I was texting both of you guys, but maybe I was just texting Chris. Yeah. I was watching the movie the same night you did, and yeah. I remember I was just like, I really wanted to watch it, right? And so I texted Chris, and I was like, you know, it's crazy because 14 minutes in, like, essentially the first death happens. Like, it's like, or like the first, like, weird kind of like the i forgot who it was but one of the characters got like swept away and yeah i was so surprised how quick they were able to get in and do it um and oh go ahead go ahead well i was just gonna say i think it was also interesting that it was it was during the pandemic so we have these people conducting a seance over zoom how the hell does that even work first of all but they did it such a way that was believable and i know like okay it sounds very cheap and it sounds very like okay yeah they're doing a zoom seance in the middle of the covid pandemic and the friends start like you know they like make fun of the seance and not like you really do it correctly and they're not really taking it serious and then they think like what like they kind of do the fake out your typical fake out to where they're like oh something's going on something's going on and they're like yep. freaked out and they're like oh never mind i'm just fucking with you guys and it has like all the tropes. Like you just Google the word horror tropes, and there they are, glaring in the middle of host. But something about it was so damn fun. I literally, I was like, I jumped twice. A movie hardly ever makes me jump. I literally, by the end of it, I was so excited to see how well it was pulled off. And it was honestly one of those like few horror movies that come out in the midst of the pandemic. Obviously, like yeah. 
hold. And Chris, if you remember correctly, we what was it called? The Unholy. Remember that movie we watched literally whenever like the pandemic was at the height? I would rather watch 10 hosts before I watch the unholy again. So the fact that we were actually able to <laughs> a decent like story, I, I give them props for that. I think it was really interesting to film because I think they actually filmed most of it on Zoom. And yeah, that, that one scene you mentioned. Yeah. The scene with the um, I think it was salt or powder. Yeah, that just was amazing. That and then wasn't there? I correct me if I'm wrong. Wasn't there a, a one of the chicks threw like a blanket or a towel up and like it? Yeah, and I was like, "Holy shit!" That's not Casper the Friendly Ghost. That <laughs> I was frightened. <laughs> I mean, I was terrified. And then like you could kind of see the the demon like pushed the blanket or the the towel down and like it, you're like where did he go and then there was the part of the one chick that walked up the uh like pulled down the attic ladder and was looking up there and you're like the whole time you're like oh this chick's dead something's going to happen to her but then nothing does but then it kicks back onto the zoom and it's like the zoom is like messed up it just keeps replaying her walking back and forth back and forth and they're like the other zoom her friends are trying to say hey whatever her name was what are you doing hey stop doing that and it would just replay and over and over and over again and i think the chick was dead you know i think it was just like the demon was like you know just fucking with everybody's mind and for 57 minutes i was terrified I, i was really terrified and i jumped a few times the the salt you know powder whatever they used terrified me the towel being thrown capturing the the figure of the demon terrified me the cabinets and like you know there's a lot of like first person like the the chick uh, carried her uh, laptop with her down the dark like hallway and you're like oh shit someone yeah. is going something's going to happen out of one of these rooms it, it was just the point of like um like you you were just terrified and then the boyfriend falling from the ceiling remember that the mm-hmm. one, he just fell out of nowhere i mean just fell fucking i mean he was dead <laughs> <laughs> he's just gone he didn't come to the rescue oh he, no, he ain't was, coming back so i'm glad you mentioned that one scene because that was probably the most intense scene to me was the dark hallway and it doesn't just yes. happen like it's not just like one scene it literally goes on two to three four five six scenes just yep. it continually reoccurs in this hallway area and it's terrifying because it also kind of brings you back to like what we're talking about with Marink. you know it it's the unknown in the dark yes yes and i'm i'm it's... just i'm so excited to hear because i know that this is probably chris was saying that this was like his favorite movie so i'm very very excited to see how much chris loved it what do you think chris so you guys watched it on the same night. You were texting me. Mike was texting me. I was pumped for this movie because you guys were making this seem like oh, it just was. Stop! I'm going to interrupt. The... Fuck you, Chris. I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> you don't like it. Well, also, I'm not saying all... the thing is, is I'm also not saying it's a great film. I understand that there is flaws, and I understand that it's not great or by any means, or even like I understand like how some people may not have anything that's good. I just thought it was fun. That's it. That's, okay, I'm sorry. I thought it was creative. I mean, very creative. Creative and fun. Yeah. Good, maybe a different story. Fun? Right. See, so, first of all, the whole Zoom thing, um, 
I thought it could have been a lot better as far as the way they played it out because you have one ghost that's, you know, created or called upon or demonic force or whatever. And it happens at one person's place. So let's say there's eight people on the Zoom camera and then one person gets attacked and everybody else is just sitting there watching them, like, you know, looking at the at the phone and everything, just watching this happen. And then as soon as it's done, they're like, okay, I didn't die this time, guys. And then you're just waiting, okay, which cameras are going to be now? Which who's, Whose house are they going to go to? Like, I would rather have seen, like, all the shit happening at once. And, like, the, the demon ghost is taking out everybody. And you're, like, looking at the screen, like, what the fuck's going to happen here while I'm looking over here? And it was just like one by one, camera by camera, somebody's going to get it. Okay, now that person's done. Let's go to the next person. Um, you mentioned that there was some jump scares that happened. So jump scares are, if they're done right, they can be good. But these were more of like a cop-out jump scare. You literally had the loudest noise possible in order to scare you. That's not a real scare. If something is so loud that you're just like, what the fuck? That hurt my ears. Like, that's not a scare. That's just a cop out of them being like, well, we played something loud. Ha ha, gotcha. Like, that's just anybody, no matter the the bravest person in the world is going to jump whenever something is loud in their ear, you know? Um, they, every single kind of trope that they did with the pulling back on the chair where she gets pulled back in it. Yeah, at first it was good. They did that three times. And then the, the powder, like you, you said, like if you Google the tropes for horror films, that's host like the, every single thing that they did was a cliche they did each one of them multiple times with like all the doors of the cabinets opening up they did that multiple times they did the you know the powder things which is a play on the sheet going over top of them they did that multiple times it just it was not for me i did not like it uh i will say i'll that tell you right mention, now oh go ahead go ahead i said you mentioned the scene where the the girl goes to the attic and lifts the attic door open um, and then she turns the camera and you see like the feet dangling in the back, uh, which I, I, I knew something like that was going to happen as soon as she pulls the camera. I'm like, OK, so she's going to put the camera up there. Like I, I read into every single scare that they were trying for. And I don't know if it was just me being you guys hyped it up too much and I was expecting more from it. That could be it. I don't know. But I called out pretty much everything. It, it even goes to the part to where. The one guy like logs off. He's like the only person that's on the Zoom chat that leaves the Zoom chat. So immediately I was like, oh, he's going to play into it later. He's going to log back on and something's going to happen to him. Like I just I read into every single thing that they were going for and it just made me not like it. See, for me, I think it really worked because, yeah, there were a lot of horror yeah. tropes like we were talking about. And there was a lot of, kind of cliches. But I think it was like the way that. It was kind of the setting, like it was over Zoom during the pandemic. It just felt very isolated and real. It's like, like yeah. obviously, like in horror movies, a lot of times, like you know, let's split up kind of thing. And it's just like, oh, things happen here, things happen there. But this was like true isolation because of COVID. And even like the moment where she's like, "I'm gonna come and help you," she couldn't do it. And I think that's just really, really interesting. What's up with all this? And then pandemic movies this year that kind of like I know I keep saying like you know we talked about sick for example and then we talk about host right and all these pandemic movies but like the thing is is like there's something about the isolation I don't know how long they can keep like beating the drum for oh COVID isolation movies let's do these before it gets kind of like redundant but for now I'm gonna give them a pass because it's 
still not overdone, but one day I'm sure they're going to continue right. to overdo these COVID movies, and it's like, well, right. could you not risk it, the virus? <laughs> See, like, I just thought the movie, the movie just made me, like, nervous, I guess. Like, I was always looking over someone's shoulder. Like, I was looking in the background to see if I could see something. So it was like, I was but always kind of with it. I was tensed up too, dude. I mean, it was. Yeah, like, so I was, like, I will agree with you, Lax, on one part. Like, the performance wasn't very notable. But then again, though, I didn't really have a problem with it either. It was like, it really wasn't about the actors or the acting. And I I get that. No, Um, I didn't have a problem with the acting. No, no, what I'm saying is they did use a lot of the same kind of scare tactics uh, a few times in the movie. But... But most of your, like, you know, paranormal movies are the same in, in, in that way, really. You know, just cabinet opens, footprints, like, but it's scary as shit. I'll tell you right now, you go in your kitchen right now, and you see fucking footprints, you're going to piss your pants right now. Because I know I would, and if a cabinet opens, I'm fucking running. I'm, I'm going to cry like a little bitch. I'm going to cry like a little bitch. <laughs> That's oh, how you get Mike. Is, Open the cabinet, yeah, you, you're done. You come to my house, and you put your feet in fucking... Uh, powder and walk on my kitchen floor. I'm 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 killing myself. You just bought that. <laughs> yeah, but what I'm saying though is that, um, okay, so you want the atmosphere. You want to be able to look, you know, around every single corner that somebody's at or somebody's walking through. But you don't have to get that feeling because I I wanted to do that. I wanted to look at every single camera that was at, that was playing in the Zoom chat and be like, where is it going to happen at next? But they literally give it to you. There's only one camera that it happens in every time, and they wait for it to be done with. The person is like, okay, the lights stop flickering, everything's good, I'm safe. And then you wait for the next person to go to happen to. And it's like, why did why couldn't it just be all this shit was happening at once, and you don't know where to look. You don't know who's going to happen to next. You don't know what's going to go. It could be two people at the same time, and you're like, oh, shit, what's happening? But no, it's like, okay, person number one, they got scared, they're still alive. Person number two, okay, that screen's done with. We can't go to that one. Person number three, now that person's getting scared. Okay, let's go to number four. It just, it was, I don't know. It was just too stationary for me. I mean, it, it did that, but I thought it did a good job of like not necessarily doing that because I feel like it went back to these people. Like you thought some of them were dead, and it kind of yeah. plays with you a little bit. It's like very playful. And it's like, well, actually, they're still alive, or this person was faking it to be funny, and they were like now taking it serious. Or like, what about those moments that I, I feel like? I mean. It was like, I will say, Chris, I agree because there was the moments where you knew that the lights flickered, that something was going to happen. So that level of unpredictability was kind of ruined there. But it was what happened after that that I liked. I think that it was really scary. Like, obviously, okay, the lights flicker. It's a stationary camera. You know it's going to be there. But when? What? It kind of reminds me of like Hitchcock, you know, he's like, you know, don't scare the audience with a bomb by like just blowing it up and like oh my god there it is but let the audience know there's a bomb at the beginning of the movie and let them see it but don't set it off until the end and they're waiting the entire time for that moment so it kind of of reminds me of it kind of reminded me like hey you know it's coming but when and where and how i will say there was a moment toward the end that i did enjoy um when one of the I can't remember cast names or anything, but one one of the characters leaves her apartment and she goes to find her other friend at her house. And you see her like 
you see her leave her Zoom chat, and then on the screen below, like, 10 minutes later, she jumps through the window. Like, why the – first of all, why the fuck did she jump through the window? I could just go to the front door. Um, but anyways, she jumps through the window, and you see it, it on was the scared, Zoom chat. scared, Chris. <laughs> uh, the first – well, before I get to the part that I like, the first thing she does is when she jumps through the window, she breaks everywhere, glass shatters. She gets up, and she's like, where's her computer at? I got to look on her computer. Like it was just really, I don't know, I didn't like that. But uh, the effect is actually really cool because it shows um, whatever possession of that, that ghost or whatever, um, it like it takes her up in the air and like slams her or slams the, the guy, yeah. slams the guy down on the ground. And I thought the effects work on that was really good. Um, like his girlfriend or whatever is taken in the swimming pool and yes. uh, he's like lifted up and thrown onto the ground and then like catches fire. And I thought all of that was really well done uh, with effect wise, but it's just the part leading up, like everything before that is just, like I said, it was just too much of the same tropes over and over again with not really much of a payoff until that end. Uh, yeah, I was going to say, I will, I will agree with you on that. I thought those kills, I guess, were, were really crazy. Uh, the one wasn't one like picked up, hovered over a pool or something, then thrown into the pool I guess, and drowned or whatever that was. Dude, right. that was great because I haven't really seen that in a movie. You know, I mean, to that to that magnitude because, honestly, that was pretty pretty extreme. Um, yeah. And then the dude just got picked up and thrown down. Or what, no, he was set on fire. Thought that was awesome. But I will agree. Like, her breaking into her friend's house through the window, I was like, what, what, what the fuck's up with this? <laughs> like, you know. Um, but... I respect what you say on a lot of levels. Yes, a lot of the same things did happen. But in this movie, though, it worked for me, at least because I was legitimately terrified looking behind these individuals, even though they may have went like, you know, one by one. You just didn't know when, though, like to a, to a point. You didn't know like how or were they going to get up and move around their apartment or was it just going to happen like right behind them? Or was one of them just going to get their neck snapped? You know, it was like you were, there were so many things running through your head. And I think that this movie played well because you kept questioning, like, okay, maybe, you know, maybe Chris is next, maybe Tyler's next, but how are they going to die? Like, you know, so that kept me on edge about that. Mm-hmm. So I, I really enjoyed the, the guessing game on this. I guess you maybe knew it I was mean, coming, but you didn't know what, what was going to happen. Maybe I need to watch it again. But as it states of the way that I watch it now, I, I didn't. I didn't care for it. Um, yeah. I ended up giving the movie a four, four out of 10. Okay. That's better than I thought. I mean, yeah, I, th- I think that you're right, Chris. We're like, I, I could, I could see how it wouldn't work for certain audiences or maybe even like the, the day really. I don't know. It's just something about it's either going to work for you or not work for you. I feel like, and I, I think that's be kind of divided on that as well. So yeah, I get that. All right. Um, I was gonna say I I enjoyed it. Um, for the impact it made in the short time of the movie, fifty seven minutes long, I I enjoyed it. it. I thought it was one of the better paranormal found footage, you know, movies. Um, I mean, I'm not going to give it no like eight or nine, but it was a good film. I gave it a six. Right there together, six. Yep. Yep. Six, six and four. And that I think we should talk about before we move on as well about how it was 57 minutes long because 
you know, a yeah. usually story is normally like, you know, 120, 130, even like 140 up upwards or horror movies. So whenever you see a film that's less than an hour, right up my alley, because, you know, obviously whenever it comes to something as simple of a plot as host, it kind of bumps up an extra point. I feel like just because it's like, it doesn't waste your time. It's like, here's what you need to know. We're doing it. Yeah. It's a, it's a seance. <laughs> you know what I mean? This is the seance. Get ready to die. Yep. I agree. Sweet. So we were at six twelve, sixteen. Which 16, I mean, yeah. that's not a great yeah, sixteen. Sorry, but <laughs> it, it, it's decent. I'll take it. I'll take it. So the movie that I watched that was much better than Host was a movie that was called <laughs> Alien Abduction. Um, and I believe this was what two thousand fourteen that this came out. Doesn't um, matter. <laughs> all right i'm out <laughs> thank god all right tyler what did you watch <laughs> now on to the good stuff <laughs> so alien abduction is about a family who goes on a vacation trip uh to i believe uh some type of wilderness in south carolina and they have their son who is an autistic kid who is fascinated by filming always wanting to use a camera and while they're there, while they're vacationing, they are awakened in the middle of the night by a bright white light. And they decide to <laughs> vid- videotape themselves, uh, or not themselves, but the white light in the sky. And they show their parents the next day, that, you know, what we saw, and then the parents don't really believe them. And from that point on, they are attracted and they see these UFOs in the sky they don't know what's happening. They try to go get help and they are pretty much attacked and followed by aliens. And it's, it's one of those films where the soon as the movie starts, something happens. Like it does not take long for this movie to get going. And once it it gets going, it doesn't stop. Like I was telling Mike about this and um, right as soon as the aliens start attacking people, you feel like, oh, here in a minute, we're going to have a break for another 20 minutes while they tell us some more plot and story. But no, it doesn't. It it pretty much goes fast paced all the way from start to end. And that's one thing that I really liked about this movie. Um, it's also a very unique style of film because even though that the camera is its first person for found footage, the camera isn't really played much into the film. Uh, it's almost like a character itself. Because you have it um, where it's not the focus of the kid trying to be like, oh, I got to record this. I got to record this. They're literally using that as like his safe place. Like this is somebody who he has to do this because it keeps him comfortable during, you know, bad situations. And so it plays out really well for the found footage type. Um, But I thought this movie was really scary. There was moments in this in the film when I was actually creeped out and. I wasn't sure what was going to happen, even though I'd already seen it once years ago when it first came out. I had forgotten about how creepy it was. And I, I was looking through, like, you know, trying to watch every corner as well, like found footage, uh, like other found footage movies. And I, I found myself really, really enjoying it and being creeped out. And and I jumped a few times as well. Um, so this the effects were done by the kyoto brothers so their fame is done from like critters and killer clowns from outer space 
and they did the effects work for it. And you don't really see too much of the aliens themselves. It's more of like them being in the background. You get a quick shot of them here and there. Uh, they're more of like a, oh my gosh, did I just see that? Kind of like the movie Signs when they have that, that little walk across the alleyway and everybody yeah. freaks out <laughs> because they, they see something for a split second, but they're not sure what they saw. That's kind of how it plays for this one is that you don't see much of it, but what you do see is, is kind of frightening. What, what did you guys think of this one? Because I haven't really talked to you guys much about it. Go ahead, Mike. Um, <clears throat> to, I, all right, so a few things I want to highlight. I want to highlight, I thought the acting was above average for a lower budget film. Um, most of your found footage films, the acting's n- not good. Um, but I thought this was done well. And I like the camera usage because it almost made you feel like, again, I've said this a lot because we watched a lot of good found footage films that you were really holding the camera. Like it made you feel it was shot well. It was very well shot, like being a found footage. And um, there were a lot of jump scares. Um, the The one, the one, the one, part of the movie that was like my highlight which really bothered me watching was when they took the detour and they were in the tunnel all the cars were parked it was like man like something's not right here obviously and you know them getting out and walking down that tunnel it you just felt like me watching it i felt I could feel the anticipation building up like something's not right. You know, obviously something's going to happen. And then in a distance, you see the aliens. And I thought they're, they're, the way their, their shape form were, were kind of terrifying, you know. But the, and the sounds, the sounds were played out very well. What I loved, whenever an alien was coming, and Lax, you and I talked about this, or was getting near sounds would go off like the the cars started turning on like beep 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 like they started making noises like so they knew they were like being chased so when the 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 brothers were running after the father was killed were running down the tunnel you could hear these cars going off and it was like the aliens were chasing them right behind them and i thought that was very well done very smart i for that moment for me in the movie made the movie I thought it was very creepy. I felt like I was getting chased and, and, and the noises were getting louder. So like, it was like the aliens were right there on their footsteps. I mean, they were right on their heels. I thought that was done well. Um, the actor or the character in the, uh, cabin, the dude, the hillbilly, I liked him. God, you know, he was, he was yeah. Like, at, at first <laughs> I was, I was a little, on the edge of him because like oh no he's very stereotypical uh backwoods redneck hillbilly yeah yeah and he he looked the part he sounded the part and you're kind of wondering because the film does have a a little bit of a slowdown and during that slowdown spot you think okay now nothing's going to happen for a little while but he holds your attention because he does it so well that you really think, oh, is this guy in on something? Does he know about this? Is he is he trying to lure these people in to get kidnapped or get killed? Yeah. And and he and then he is one of the main parts of the film. He he tries to rescue these people. And it's very realistic. Like he like I said, he plays it so well that the entire yeah. time that the film is slowed down, 
you don't feel that slowdown speed because your intensity is like what's going to happen next with this character because that's when he's introduced. Um, and that, I really liked him. Yeah. And that brings me to the point back to the acting. The acting was done way above average, I thought, for for a found footage film. And um, I thought the kills, uh, you know, like bringing them up to their 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 spaceship, like it it was done well. The 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 whole the whole movie was very, I think, very intense. And I'm not a huge alien film, you know, lover. But this was up there, and I really enjoyed this. Like I said, the moment that really won this for me was that tunnel. You know, the aliens chasing the the, the brothers, or was it the brother and sister, or was it two boys? I forgot. Was it two brothers? Um, Older brother, yeah, younger kids? Yeah, the, the yeah. two brothers were in the tunnel. They were the ones that were run running. out. And, mm. and go back to the van with the mom and the right. And yeah, the, the mom sister and the sister. Or something. Okay. Yeah, yeah. so um, that was terrifying. Because you could just literally in the background, all the car alarms going off because like the aliens were chasing, and I thought that was done really well. Yeah, it's very hard for somebody to do a alien film or an alien abduction movie in a serious tone because it's the plot itself is kind of hokey, you know. And right. I think this is the best way that they could have ever done it was a found footage style movie, and I think this is one of the best found footage alien movies, like or alien abduction movies that I've, I've seen. I'll have to agree with you. Uh, I mean, I think this is one of the better alien films in, in general. I mean, I think signs is phenomenal. I really love the movie signs, but I'm not saying this is like right up there with it. But then again, it is on this level of like, you know, found footage, alien, whatever you want to call this. This was up there. This is a really good movie. Tyler, I haven't heard you speak of this movie at all, so I'm really curious. I don't know if you liked it or not. Uh-oh. Well, I, I have to say I'm happy that Chris picked something that was very timely to today with all the UFO sightings around the U.S. lately. <laughs> yeah, so, so it's a real movie. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's actually just a real movie. Um, I can't say that I like this one, guys. What? I really did not like it at all really um there's so much that i could just like there were a couple scenes that i could get behind um that i will agree with it was you know done well especially like the ones you guys have already talked about the the one in the um the cover bridge or the cover tunnel that one there was really good the crows that one that was a good scene but, you know, honestly, I just really did not dig anything else. Um, I had an issue with the fact that the autistic boy was even in filming to begin with. I thought it was a really cheap way. It's like, hey, how can we make this a found footage movie? And I was just like, man, you know, they're, they're going to make an autistic boy say, oh, I need to film everything. And that's how they're going to do it. And plus, the family was just infuriating. It was poorly acted. Like, yeah, Well, okay, I'm going to argue with you on this one, okay? So, uh, when it comes to the autistic kid, um, um, I'm I'm familiar with, with the way that 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 autistic kids uh, can act around uh, certain things and certain people, and I do know that they asphyxiate on certain things. And if yeah. they do not have those certain things, then it can be a 
big, big problem, like complete meltdown and not just for like a small time period for an extended time period too. So the fact that they give him the camera and that is kind of like his safe zone that when he has this camera, this kid feels comfortable in whatever situation he's in and that will not cause these meltdowns. And if you remember, there was a moment in the movie too where he he gets hit or gets knocked down or something and he's like, my camera, my camera. And he literally yeah. runs over and grabs the camera because it makes him feel safer. No, yeah, and, I, I understand 100%. I am right there with you. I know that that's a very common thing for autistic children. The thing is, though, like, it's just like, wh- at what point would the parents be like, don't film anymore kind of thing? You know, we need to, like, safety first kind of thing. But even, even I think, besides, I think even that besides, was part of it. I think that was part of the safety. Well, even besides that, moving even to the acting itself, the family absolutely infuriating. I don't know. Just something about the way it was acted just really rubbed me the wrong way. Now I will say the film itself, like the actual way it was shot, the actual filming. I mean, it was, it was, um, it was like, it was nicely done for a found footage film. I will give it that. But again, it just felt like it was very cheap. There just wasn't really much going for it. Just I mean, overall, I mean, I'm, just, I'm just generalizing the entire thing because I'm try. I try to find like any kind of redeeming factor in it, but just generally, overall, the film just kind of was a little it rubbed me the wrong way. It was kind of rough on the edges. But then keep it keep in mind, guys. I'm not like a huge fan of alien abduction films. I do like you know the classic ones. I'm okay with you know well done ones in my eyes. But for some reason, like something about this alien abduction film really just didn't work. Okay. What did you What did you think of? Okay, there's this moment in the movie, Mm -hmm. and and you see it at the beginning of the film as well, and you're not really sure what's happening. But they show it again how it happens at the end of the film, and the camera that they use is dropped from the sky from a UFO. Mm -hmm. It's like it's being taken from like the trash, like compactor or whatever from the ufo and it gets shot out back to earth and it's it's a one complete shot from the ufo going all the way like you see the the circle of earth like you see the whole like curve of it and it falls all the way down till it gets to the ground and it hits and i thought that was really cool and i still i don't know how they did it i don't know how they did it well i mean i couldn't question like how they did it or get excited for that because i was like how did it survive the fall how did it like how are you able to retreat sure. how how is this camera intact enough to where you could open it up and pull i guess was it was it a film was it film camera whatever kind of camera it was it came to remember i don't know if they even showed it but how could that survive the fall to where somebody could find it and say oh well there were clearly aliens here guys and like see well, the whole because because fuck you tyler that's why <laughs> <laughs> no i, I get oh, it it, it doesn't make a lot of sense but i thought it was a really cool effect and i thought it was well done um i think that it was used properly because they they needed something to be like we need something to show at the beginning and tie it toward the end of the film to show you what's happening and i think having the camera be ejected from an alien spacecraft um, as the end result was, was kind of clever. Um, and I don't know how they did it, but I enjoyed that part, but I I know that it's a little hokey and the, the description of like feel, aliens. Did you guys just not feel like a frustration towards the family though? Like the way it was acted, like uh, maybe it wasn't even the acting. Maybe I'm wrong with this. Maybe it was more of the writing. 
I don't know if it's the writing or the acting or both, but it, something only, about it was awful. The only thing that I that I kind of questioned in the in not acting, but it was like characters was the dad because he seems so nice at first, and like the whole family seems nice, and then whenever they get in the car when they're leaving the the first destination, uh, the dad like flips out on the wife uh, for whatever I can't remember. For, I think for running out of gas or not knowing where he's going like they're kind of lost and he literally like uh, aggressively flips out like verbally on her and on and on the kid too like you know you, you were talking about the recording and stuff like he does go off on him and, and, and start screaming like don't record turn the camera off and yeah it was just out of nowhere like i didn't expect it and it did not fit his character because the rest of the movie that the parts that he's in it's not like his character at all so it was almost like they didn't know what they wanted to do with him. Like they were wanting him to be a bad guy in the movie for a result where he dies, but it just, it didn't work. That was the only part of the acting or characters that I had a question on. I mean, I, I, I agree with that too. Cause it's very inconsistent. Um, I felt yeah. like, and then at the times it just, I felt like they were just walking around talking about nothing. Like, it's just like, oh, you know, it was kind of like the whole, like, oh, hi, how are you? How was your, how was your kids? How's the mom? Kind of like that generalized, like, dialogue. I just felt like that was thrown in there and it made the film seem like it went on and on and on and on. I was like, okay, just abduct them already. Jesus Christ. But maybe again, <laughs> it's just like, I, I know I said, like, I absolutely hated it and there were redeeming factors. I, it was not my least favorite movie of the year it was probably my second to worst movie <laughs> seen this year. No, I'm kidding. But no, I mean it just it, again it was not I just did it did not work for me. The way it was the acting, the script, the direction it went in, the way it was presented, the editing. I felt like the um even like the like the creature effects it, were was that so you're saying that was all done practically or did they not have do you know anything about that? Uh, I know that the design and the costumes that were worn was done by the Kyoto brothers for like the alien look and, and stuff. As far as how it was executed, I'm not sure. Yeah, because I wasn't really, I wasn't in love with some of the effects either. And I'm not for sure exactly if it was, because um, it was a mix. I know they had, it was, it was obviously CGI as well. I don't know if the Kyoto brothers had anything to do with like, the decision with that if it was a budget i'm sure it was a budgetary thing as well because this was ifc midnight it was probably made for you know what maybe a million or two so they definitely had i will give them like some credit where credit's due they were able to make a film that should have probably been a 10 to 15 million dollar movie and they were able to pull that off for probably much much less i'm not for sure how much less but and i, I do yeah. think that it looked decent for the amount of the budget is but who cares what the movie looks like at the end of the day whenever like the story is so like convoluted and kind of like drab to watch and that's kind of like how i felt while i was watching it that was my biggest issue was most of the characterization i think that they could have done a much better job with that and the idea of like having an alien abduction film as a found footage i mean it's not every day that a movie like that comes out it, i mean it's been done before but it would be a more interesting approach whenever you would if you were going to see something that was a little bit more like aesthetic i don't know i don't know if i'm making yeah. any sense but that's kind of like how i that's my thought process with this no 
Yeah. So I I didn't have a problem with the characterization at all. I thought it was well executed. I thought the effects were okay. I thought the camera style fit for an alien film. And there was some creepy moments in it. And there were some really creative moments too. Um, like you were saying, the, the tunnel scene, the bird scene, all really, really clever. Uh, in my personal opinion, I would recommend the movie. I gave this movie a 7 out of 10. No way. Oh, jeez. That's... All yeah. right, so <laughs> that that is a high rating for this, <laughs> but I, I enjoyed it. No, no, I will I will say I enjoyed the film because even though this was a scary alien found footage, all that mix, it was also kind of like heartfelt in a way as well because you know oh, the really. old the old the oldest son when his dad died. Well, actually, you were like you said this really hit home that when he was in the cabin, he was like. I, I didn't do anything like basically he was like i watched my dad die you know and it was like you were like damn that that hits hard like what would yeah. you do in that situation like would you be so scared like he was which is normal and common or would you try to intervene and like you know protect your dad what what would you do and you yeah, felt he's having, that, he, he's having that heartfelt moment and he he's yeah. talking to his mom and he, he literally is crying, like really hardcore crying. And yeah. he's like, I, I didn't know what to do. I It happened so fast. I should have done something. Maybe I still can. And like he, he's, I mean, I would probably be in the same situation. Like if it happens so quick and I would probably freeze up. Like, what what do you do? Yeah. Like, what, what do you do? Exactly. And I think, I think that part in the movie was, I mean, I'm not saying like Academy Award, winner but it was very powerful it was a very powerful moment and as you know as children you know to your father like you're like man i should have done something to save my dad or protect my dad but as a dad though he's doing everything to protect his kids which you know dads do so like you're like man that really hit hard but um i enjoyed the film um i'm not going to say uh it was the best of the best but I, I ended up giving it a I ended up giving it a, a five. I, I I liked it, but didn't love it. Okay. Y'all, I'm telling you. I and I, I Tyler never likes any of the fucking movies I choose. <laughs> That's <laughs> not true. That's there are there are films that we do agree on, Chris. It's just something about I, I'm sorry. It's, it's something about this one I just do not. I did not get. I did not feel any kind of like emotion or empathy. Maybe I'm callous. I don't know. There was just something about it that really just did not come off as like heartfelt or intriguing or anything. But um, for all the right reasons, and you guys aren't wrong for your rating, but I'm going to say three out of ten. Hey, you got it. Oh man! All right. Wow. I originally wrote down a two, and I knew if I wrote down a two, Chris would have been like, "What?" And I thought mm-hmm. about it for a while. And I was like, "Okay, it's not quite a two. I will give it that extra point to give it that three okay. because there were some decent moments for like twelve seconds or something like that. But that was that was okay to watch. Yeah. Have I ever won a fucking episode? Like, I don't know if I ever I, won. I think you did win one, right? You won. You did I won. I won the worst. Of the episodes, you all thought my movie was the worst. <laughs> I can't, I can't. So uh, I have a score of fifteen. <laughs> yeah, it's the middle finger award. <laughs> so Chris is automatically out. 
There's no yeah. Back yeah, yeah, well, well, Tyler, you're movie one. Relax. What do you think, man? I'm just like, <laughs> no, I, I like Tyler's movie. I did. Yeah, let's move on to you to your side because you chose a movie that was completely off the radar of something we would have never ever thought of of choosing. Yeah, and com- just a completely different type of found footage movie. And well, kind of. In a way, what you- we're taking you good. on a little ride. To room 402. <laughs> Gonjim, Haunted Asylum. It's probably the movie that no one that's listening to this has ever watched, maybe even heard of. But I remember, guys, that this film came out back in like 2018 and it generated a lot of buzz. Never received a US release at all. And I know that there was a lot of people in the US who really wanted to see it. It ended up being like a massive hit across seas and i think it was um, a south korean film but it was more than just south korea who actually distributed it and it ended up being like the top like three foreign language horror films of all time so this is like super influential not in the u.s but everywhere else enough to where people in the horror community is like you know i want to see this but essentially, it's everything you would want as like a digital age found footage movie. And we talk about how found footage doesn't need to get like reinterpreted and like redone and kind of like revamped every like five, 10 years. We were talking to Stephen Cognetti and he was like, you know, th- this was a reinvention of the, the found footage, you know. And then obviously yeah. the pioneers of found footage, which was right there with the Blair Witch Project, St. Francisville Experiment. This is like today. We talked about alien abduction. We talk about hosts. We talk about Ganjam Haunted Asylum. So this film initially, basically all it is, is they have six people. There is a haunted asylum. There is a YouTube web show. They are all challenged to go in and spend the night in the haunted asylum to like gather information and stuff and they were basically doing it for views and it's all about the views and things go south so excuse me so when uh, you chose when you chose this movie i am that that night that you chose it i immediately looked it up and started to watch it and my initial reaction i almost texted you tyler and i almost said please can you choose another movie this is not gonna work because I'm setting, I'm, I was watching it on my phone. I was laying in bed with my phone pressed up against the wall. And the beginning opening shot is a half screen. And it's a half screen, like a video, like somebody recording horizontally on their phone, half screen. And there's subtitles. So not only do you can you only see half a screen, but there's subtitles as well where I have to read it. I was like, I can't do this. And then you, then I thought, you know what? screw it i want tyler to lose this is going to be an awful movie tyler's going to lose this episode automatically and so i gave it a, I gave it a chance i was like i'll, I'll get through it uh even if it's going to be be bad and then it turned around from like after the first like two minutes or whatever you get the full actual story of what's happening and yeah. i really like this movie um there wasn't a lot i mean even though it's it's a a foreign film to us um when they actually get to the Ganjam Asylum, it is there's not a lot of dialogue that really happens. So you're still able to look around and see the 
you know, the atmosphere of the of the asylum and how creepy it looks. And it looks like a legit, like, abandoned place. I don't know how well they yeah. dress the, the set, but it looked like something that was in real life 100% abandoned. And um, they did a lot of really cool camera tricks in this movie as well that I wanted to... I wanted to make sure we we pointed this out because they do this weird like is it 3D not 3D but like 360 camera they have a 360 camera that the guy is holding and, and he's yeah. holding and walking through the asylum with this mm-hmm. 360 camera and so you get like a, a complete in-depth look at everything that they see as they're walking through and I thought that was really cool but I wish that they would have used it more because I thought that was one of the creepiest parts of the movie was just trying to look through all around the entire area because you see all the hallways behind them in front of them all at the same time and I wish yep. they would have done that more but I actually really enjoyed this movie. Well I do want to say before we go any further about the tech and stuff um the location itself Ganjam Hana Asylum um, if you look this up, um, it is an actual. I remember this is what also kind of like brought a lot of people's attention to the film. Was this is a real place, and it's one of the oh, top wow. 10 most haunted areas, and it's actually been documented that it's been like one of the top ten most haunted areas. And I was reading up on the production of it as well um, as I was watching this to kind of just get more because it, it did feel like a like a real location, Chris. As well, I was thinking, I was like, man, this seems like they're actually filming in the place. And initially, it actually was supposed to be. They had a contract to film in the actual haunted asylum that it's based off of. It was supposed wow. to be that realistic. And keep in mind, this haunted asylum, kind of like the St. Francisville experiment like we were talking about, it literally was like, it's really haunted. It's real, and it's actually meant to be pretty, you know, they're filming a horror movie about a haunted asylum inside of that same asylum that's supposed to be haunted. So it's kind of crazy, but last minute, I guess like they were trying to sell it or something like the, like the asylum was up for sale and the guy who owned it was afraid to let them film there because he thought it would like give them bad press. So they ended up going to this like abandoned like hospital or something. I'll have to double check online, but they did like choose another location, but it was dressed a little bit, but overall it was really that spooky there. Like this was like an abandoned dilapidated hospital. They were shooting this in so i mean you know it's bound to be haunted like oh and i, I want to say this too before you all get into it more the acting in this film was phenomenal Excellent. like they they yeah. had i mean every yeah. single one of them too like i thought they were like oscar winning <laughs> acting in that one because they had from from just being interested in going to filming it to being absolutely terrified from what was happening inside the asylum I was 100% in and I read the fear on their face when they were crying and screaming and running. And it was, it was perfect for my, for at least the acting part of it. Oh yeah, absolutely. And everybody played their roles, like specific roles very well. Like the guy, I forgot the guy's name they call him, but the guy that was like running the tech that was like, kind of like, yeah, go to the asylum kind of thing. Like, like more and more pushing them to do it. He did a great job and some really crazy stuff happens to him too. And you think you're safe outside the asylum, but honestly, he had some really spooky stuff happen as well. Yeah. And that last, can we just talk about that last? Let's just fast forward right now because that last 20 minutes, oh my God. That was it's insane. like it's so hair raising, you know, bothering. It's yeah, <laughs> dude. 
it's yeah, yeah. i agree with when that. when you have that one like I, i'm assuming there's just a ghost but when there's like the ghost of that guy is standing in that room that's sealed and he just like slowly yes. like walks sideways yes. and you hear his foot dragging beside him as the entire time that he's doing it um, and then the the lady that's trapped in the room and she's like the camera's aimed at him and then she goes and she looks at the door trying to unlock it and then goes back to him as he's walking and then back to the door it was really intense and i was like what the fuck is gonna happen is is he gonna run is he gonna like launch toward her and it i had no clue i was on the edge of my seat waiting for something to happen what was that one scene where they went to the i know it was like room 402 and they have like a bunch of like was it spirit it wasn't spirits like demons or something in that room you know what i'm talking about and like emerged that, like that murky like water. that was demons wasn't it yeah yeah that was in the room 402 so yeah before they even had the door open they were like they were trying to open it and they hear something coming they like they run they're trying to get away and somehow they end up in room 402 that has yes. not been opened up yet and it is it's That's filled right. full of water and you just hear like people moving around in the water or the ghost demons or whatever moving in the water and you, you just see the water like tr like trembling around them and stuff and you don't know what's going to happen and then you have like the possessed looking eyes and everything like the blacked out eyes and it yes. was like it was really creepy Mm -hmm. yeah no i mean i think both of you guys said said it very well i thought what was very creative was i mean would you call it a drone like you know or whatever you would like i thought that camera view was awesome it gave you the full layout of of the of the hospital or the asylum i should say um and i thought the acting was was high up there on the list i thought the acting was done very well um I thought going into this, it would almost be like similar to like uh, if you all have seen uh, Grave Encounters. Um, so where they go and they do like kind of a uh, a ghost hunter tour. But it was even better than that because the the acting was so done so well. And uh, and the thing, the last it was the last 20 minutes. It was just like I said, God, like I kind of got to look behind me. It, it's so creepy because. It just left you feeling, I guess, watched, or it left you feeling like your curiosity just ran, basically, you know. Um, so I thought they did very well on everything, and I, I really can't say anything that you all haven't said or really add anything to it. The acting was done well. The scares were phenomenal. The um, the the anticipation of like what what was next going to happen. The room four hundred two hearing like movement like you're like what the hell was that because i watched it downstairs and and pitch black dark and it was like it was already like 11 or midnight when i watched it and i was creeped out about it. and only one other movie really creeped me out as bad as as bad as this movie did and it was the original hell house it really bothered me so it was done well loved the movie um and I, i'll go ahead i gave this movie a, i gave this movie a six out of ten <clears throat> Yeah, and I think that the um, something really cool about this, like the stakes in the movie, isn't just the fact they're in this haunted asylum with you know demons or whatever. It's also the viewers. Like, yeah, this is a YouTube like live stream, you know. Yeah. So you're looking at this YouTube live stream, and what's on the line? The viewers. The viewers want more. They they want clicks. You know, 
it's a digital age. It's like it's like sitting there like saying, you know, we just need to push for more and more and more intense and more crazy. And, you know, we'll just fake shit if we have to. And then it turns out to be incredibly real and disturbing and true. And that's something that really works well for it. And I think that that's also kind of cool because the, the tech in it, like you guys were talking, the fact that this was like a YouTube show that was like craving views, that's also an excellent excuse to have like the 360 camera down the infrared camera to be able to have all this like techie gear. It's obviously because that show was aiming to hit a million views. So obviously if you're trying to hit a million views and you're on a live stream, you're going to bring all your best equipment you possibly can to it. And they chose one of the most top 10 haunted places in the world. So it was a great location too. And we see, I mean, it pays off. The payoff is there. So that's, um, that's what I love about it so much. It's just that viewership that you're craving that. And um, I'll probably go seven out of 10, honestly. Yeah. If you were on the, the fence about watching this movie, I would definitely consider it um, because I thought that this would be a movie that I would never watch. I never had any interest. I had seen it like listed on on sites before to watch and I've heard of it before. I just never paid any attention because of the name, the cover of the movie. It was one of those movies where I like, that's crap. I ain't watching it. And yeah. I mean, I'm glad that you chose this Tyler because it was really, really worth the watch. It was really good and uh, superb acting. The effects were, were great. The story itself is really good. And I don't know if any of those stories are based on actual like myths from the uh, Ganjam Asylum or not. I didn't look into any details about the actual haunted location, but the story was good. The idea of having a room that's never been, that's been sealed and never, nobody's ever been able to open it up and a curse falls upon them. Just a really cool idea for a haunted house or haunted location film. Um, I highly, highly recommend this movie. And I gave this movie, surprisingly, I gave this movie an 8 out of 10. Love that. Oh, wow. Yeah. Nice. And I think it's, it's, it's off. I mean, it really, really does. I agree with everything Chris said. And it's one of those movies yeah. that you hear of, and you're like, do I really want to watch that? So, yeah. So, 8, <clears throat> what, 8, 7, 6? So, yeah. 21? So Tyler <laughs> has won the Battle of Fright Fights for the found footage horror film. And now, Tyler, you know what time it is. It's spin time the to wheel. spin the wheel. Spin so, the wheel. Since Tyler has won, we have to remove the found footage genre from the wheel. And we're going to be able to pick our next episode for Fright Fights podcast. And we will take a brief moment here to get things set up, and we'll be right back to spin the wheel. Welcome back to Fright Fights, guys. We are at the part of the show now where we get to pick our next episode, or the theme for our next episode, that is. And we get to spin the wheel, and whatever the wheel lands on, that's our theme. So Tyler got to replace the found footage topic with a body horror topic. So now our listing goes for nine options here. We have body horror, werewolves, shark attack, dark comedy horror, films from the year you were born, clown town, vampire flicks, 
ghost stories and possession films are all available for the wind for the will to land on so tyler go ahead and spin and let's see what next episode is going to be here we go vampire Vampire that's cool all right that's that's really gonna be interesting because i'm not really talked about vampire flicks a lot of people so i think it's kind of cool to bring that up it's be interesting there's a lot of options out there too yeah Remember that fucking awful movie we all watched in theater last year? Uh, what was that called? I'm blinking. <sighs> it was yeah, a newer what? movie that the in, in, invitation, the invitation. Oh god, that was terrible. That movie was awful. <laughs> That's right, my thank you guys for <laughs> thank you guys for <laughs> watching uh, or listening to another episode of the Fright Fights podcast. Next week's episode or next week's theme is going to be about vampire flicks. So tune in, guys, for that. We have some cool films lined up probably, so or hopefully. And thank you guys again. And definitely go back and check out our interviews with the cast and crew of the St. Francisville Experiment and the director of Hell House LLC. And thank you guys again, and we love you all. See you guys. See you guys.